Well, good morning, everybody. So, when I was a kid, my grandma in her basement had a tape deck. It was a two, the two tapes, which is awesome, because then you could listen to the radio and record stuff off it, and you could make mixtapes, which is great. But growing up, I didn't really buy any records for myself, so I listened to what my grandma liked. So whatever my grandma liked, whatever my mom liked, that's what I liked. So a lot of Randy Travis, a lot of Garth Brooks. <laughs> One person likes Garth. Um, but my favorite tape my grandma had, it was Billy Joel Greatest Hits Volumes 1 and 2. It was Volume 1 on one side, Volume 2 on the other. It was like, it was like an hour and a half long of Billy Joel music. I used to, my brother and I used to listen to that, and we just sing all the songs. We dance in the basement. It was our jams. And my favorite song from that whole two-volume record was the most immoral song on the record. It was an old song called Only the Good Die Young. Now that song, I know now, as a kid I didn't know what it was about. Now I know it's, it's Billy Joel trying to talk a Catholic girl into going against her morals to sleep with him. So I'm like, oh, geez, Billy, you're, you're a mess. But then I didn't know. It just was, it had a, it had a rocking piano. But there was one line in that, uh, that song I used to belt it out. It, it's, a, it's a line I lived by for way too long. And the line goes like this. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. And as a kid, that, I believe that was true. I'm like, man, because for in America, for a lot of people, we think of godliness or righteousness or religion. The thought in your mind is like boring or serious, right? So who is religious? Who is godly? Nuns and priests and monks, right? Serious, boring, old people are religious and sinners are hilarious and fun. Now, I don't know when that happened. I don't know when, ha like, having no emotion, being stoic, being super serious. I don't know why being super serious is what we think of when we think of religious piety. Because the Bible does not paint that picture. In this psalm, we read here, Psalm 100. This, okay, so if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding. Well, dude, so... <laughs> um, so the Hebrew and Middle Eastern cultures have a lot of similarities. If you've ever been to a Hebrew wedding, it is loud, it goes all night, everyone's dancing. The old people are dancing, the kids are dancing, the music is just, it is an ethnically incredible experience. Uh, my boy Luke is here, my friend Luke. When he got married, he married a girl from... I mean, Middle Eastern background, yeah. And so Luke is white, and uh, his family is also white. And so they get married. The wedding was this mix of Western, proper, but also a mix of the crazy dancing, singing, dude in a chair, in the air, bouncing down. It was a riot. It was a riot. That's what a Hebrew, that's what a Hebrew wedding is like. And this song would have been like that. This song would have been full of singing and dancing and laughing and joy. 
Listen to the words. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know what the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is a song about joy. We have read a few psalms in the last few weeks. We read a song about anger and said anger is an emotion that's appropriate to have. We had a song about sadness, because sadness is an appropriate emotion to have sometimes. But this is a song about joy, and joy is one of the marks of the Christian life. Joy is part of the Christian life. The Christian life is not... I read this one play years ago, and this guy in the play becomes a Christian, and the priest tells him, now that you're a Christian, you got to stop going to dances. Now that you're a Christian, you got to stop playing cards. Now that you're a Christian, you got to stop singing these songs you sung when you were a kid. And there's this moment in the play where the main character says, why do I who love to dance, can I not dance? Why do I who love to sing, why can I not sing? I remember reading that poem and being so moved by it. Joy should be part of the Christian life. Now, we know this because later on in the Bible, we're told there's, this, there's these two lists later on in the Bible. There's the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And they're contrasted side by side. And, the, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is not mean. I'm not telling you today to try hard to be happy. That is hell on earth. You cannot just manufacture joy. That will, it'll bottom you out. If you try to walk around all the time, make yourself smile, there'll be a fake smile over a dying soul. I'm not telling you to put on a fake face for everybody. I'm not saying go to church and smile and everything's okay. I'm not saying to do that. What I am saying is the fruit of the Spirit teaches us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's inside you comes out. So the deeds of the flesh, lust, wrath, divisions. If you're living in the flesh, that stuff is going to naturally just come out of you. A pear tree naturally produces pears. My grandma had pear trees that were awesome. But if you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you are in the spirit. What naturally is going to come out of you, what's going to overflow from the heart, is going to be love and joy. So in this way, I guess the question, what is overflowing out of me? And that's going to reveal to you what's inside of you. What's coming out of me reveals what's inside of me. Do you understand? I can't just say to people, I can't lose my temper and say to somebody, oh, that wasn't me, I was just hungry. No, that came out of you. That was in there somewhere, and it came out. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So joy is the fruit of the Spirit, but then the next question we ask is this. Well, was Jesus a joy-filled man? 
Now, you go to the Bible, and a lot of our movies of Jesus, he's like the old monk. He's, to a lot of people, Jesus is a hippie or a Jedi, right? Robe, walking around, long hair, so wise, oh, nominus, dominus. There's a thing that happens to Jesus in his life. If you read the scriptures, you will see one of the most common accusations against him. One of the things that makes everybody so mad is who he eats with. He's always eating with people and always takes everybody off. And at some point in his ministry, you see Matthew 11, like something, 11 something, you see it said, the people have been calling him a drunkard and a glutton. As the King James says it, a wine bibber and a glutton. Now, was Jesus a drunkard? No. Why did people start calling him that? I'll tell you why. He'd go to a village and he'd heal someone. He'd teach. People would invite him to his house. Master, will you come to my house for dinner tonight? There's so many stories in the Bible of people inviting Christ to their house. There's so many of them. And Christ is always saying yes. And he's going to their house. Even here in America, if you invite someone to their house, if you invite someone and say, hey, come to my house for dinner tonight. You go to someone's house for dinner, and let's say they make you their, their best meal. If they're, you know, we made you spaghetti tonight. So here's, here's the salad dish, and here's the spaghetti. And, oh, I made cookies for dinner or for dessert. And you leave the house like, oh, I ate so much. That was so good. Imagine doing that every night. Going to someone's house, and they're giving you their best meal and their awesome dessert. They're giving you their best. So Christ would go to those houses, and he'd eat these big meals with all these people, and he'd stay up late talking and laughing. So everyone said, Jesus is always having these love feasts. We started calling him a wine-bibber and a glutton. He literally went to so many people's houses and had such a good time eating with people, he gained a rep for eating too much and drinking too much. When in reality, he just loved being with people, and they loved being with him. Jesus was someone who joy marked his life. He fellowshiped with people and enjoyed people so much, people got mad at him for how much he enjoyed eating, dining, laughing, talking, and living among sinners. So, I'll break this down for us. So, the white horse is around here somewhere. I don't know where Court Street's at. Somewhere in the Court Street. There's, there's, of course, it's not that way. White horse is not that way. Okay, maybe it's that way. So, the white horse is somewhere in this city. On Sundays, their pizza's half off. You're welcome. Some of the best pizza in the city at the white horse. <laughs> That's the only amen I get is for pizza. Uh, so, go to the White Horse with my uh, pastoral friends. Get there around 8 o'clock at night. We order a half, a half off pizza. The game's on. We have Coca-Colas in our hand. And we're just talking about life. And as the night, we close the place down. Like, we're there till like 1 in the morning. and the, Everyone else is gone. Wait just comes by and she goes, did someone else serve you today? We're like, No. She's like, I didn't bring you guys any drinks, like no rum and Cokes, no, no sangria, no margaritas, nothing. 
I'm like, yeah, we had Coke and refilled free all night, baby. Um, she's like, but you, your table, by far, you laughed more and were louder than any other table in this place. I'm like, that's true. She's like, how? I'm like, well, we love one another in the Lord, and the joy flowing from us was purer and louder and brighter than the false joy that the drunkenness around us brought to light. And so that's the thing I want to say is that joy is part of the Christian experience. If you're like, even me, I'm 42 now, almost 42. As we get older, for some reason, just pure, unadulterated joy, we make fun of it when we see it. We're so, like, cynical about it. If someone buys us happy, we throw a wet blanket on them to try to shut them down. We don't have to be that way. Joy is part of being a follower of Christ. Joy is meant to flow out of us as we live in this world. So the first question I want to give to us, the first application is this. Ask yourself the question, what is flowing out of me? Is it suspicion? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it insecurity? Or is there joy flowing out? Now listen, I'm not asking this question to shame you, make you feel bad about yourself. The, what we're doing is we're doing a, we're doing a self-check test. How am I doing? What's going on in here? A lot of us run so fast and run so hard, we rarely ask the question, how am I doing? Because even those who love Jesus can coast and drift. And if what's flowing out of you are the deeds of the flesh that's telling you you are living in the flesh right now, you are separated from the source of life. But if, if what's flowing out of you, if love, joy, peace, patience, if that's what's flowing out of you that tells you I am walking near the Spirit. The first question for today is very simple. What's coming out of you? What flows out of you? In the night before bed, in the morning before you start running, what is flowing out of your soul? Because what, what's coming out of you reveals what's actually in there. So joy is meant to be a part of the Christian experience. It's not cheesy or naive. It's beautiful and good. The question is, well, how do I get it? I was at Carriage Town an hour ago, and this sweet lady in the front row, she's new. She's homeless. She's in a homeless shelter. You can see upon her body evidence of a life hard lived. And she cried the whole first part of the sermon. Because for her, joy was a distant memory. I don't know what feelings were there, but she, through her tears and her, her, how she responded, I could tell she knew joy had not been part of her life for a long time. And the question we have to ask is, in a world full of so much, so much instability, how do we have joy? Because, I mean, there are things to be worried about. 
recession looms on the horizon, right? It's like, oh, stinking. Inflation's pinching all of our checkbooks. How do we remain joyous people in the midst of an unstable world? Well, David tells us how. Listen to the language he uses. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. All this stuff, the joyful noise, serving with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. This is all simply saying that the joy you have overflows into different things. The joy overflows into song. My uh, father-in-law, Angie's pops, Angie's dad, Bob is his name. It's a godly man. And Bob whistles all the time. Just walking around doing something, he just whistles. Just his contentment in the Lord, the joy in his heart, it overflows into a whistle. He might be at Myers, just People are like, what? this old man is crazy. What's great is the song just flows. It's just this, inside his heart, there's so much contentment, the song just comes. Now, we're all different. You gotta, you gotta, let's say you got a whistle. Don't be like Bob. Be like you. I don't whistle. I often dance. I, I don't lie. I, I remember one time we were newly married. Well, we married for a few, a few years. And all I wanted the most as a, as a young married man, I wanted to buy a Nintendo GameCube. And we couldn't afford it. We go to Best Buy sometimes. I'd put the GameCube in the cart, some GameCube games, an extra controller. And we'd, I'd walk around with a cart full of goodness I'd be for an hour, I'd put it all back and leave. It was, I, I, what am I doing? I don't know. Just torturing myself every, like, every few months I'd go out there and do that. But one day, we save enough, we have enough for a GameCube. One day, and Angie is kind of the breaks in our financial world. I'm the, let's spend money. And she's like, let's think about this. You, 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 you always need those two in a relationship. You need a, the spender and the brakes. If you have two spenders, you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> that's a bad thing. So one day she's like, we could afford a GameCube. And we go to Best Buy, put it in the cart, and in line. No one tells me to do it. I don't, I'm not looking for the camera. Just the joy in my heart. I just opened a happy dance right there in Best Buy. Uh, just, it's just from the joy of getting this thing I've always wanted, the dance comes. The joy is an overflow. But how do we get the joy? Because it can't just be buying something. Because you can't buy something every week. Where does the joy come from? And David tells us. We're told. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. So where does joy come from in the midst of an unstable and difficult world? According to the psalmist here, joy comes from being in the Lord. Joy comes from being in the Lord. David says, listen, why am I singing? Why am I praising? Why am I serving with gladness? Because he, Yahweh is God, and he made us, and we belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, this assumes you belong to him. If you don't belong to him, this is 
I used to take my kids to the, uh, the mall, and they had the play thing at the mall. You know the play thing? You crawl on the thing with the, the babies? And I'd go in there with my kids, and uh, I'd chase them around. They'd climb it. I'd, I'd, like, I'd be like a monster, like, trying to grab them. They'd all scream and run. It was great fun. And so many times we'd be doing that. And little kids would come over and want to play with us. And sometimes, and Lena used to ask me about why this would happen. Sometimes we'd see, um, we'd run in situations where um, sometimes kids have this thing in them. You just, I can recognize it very well because I have the same wound. They don't have a father. They just don't have it. You see, they're, they're, they long for positive male affirmation. And I have little kids wanting to play, and they want my full attention. They wanted to have with me what I have with my children, and they just come and say, chase me, chase me. I, I, I'm like, I can't just pick you up and wrestle with you because I don't know you, and I'll go to jail. I mean, I'm just honest. I'm just, I, don't, I can't just grab random kids and be like, I can't. But I felt in them the desire to want what we had. They see us rolling, laughing, playing in the air, you know, giggling. The Lord is our shepherd. He's a good shepherd. But if you're not part of his pasture, you don't experience that. You're on the outside of the fence and you see, man, God's good to his people, but I ain't one of them. If you want to have the joy of the Lord, you have to be in the Lord. You have to belong to him. You must enter into covenant with the Lord. You must follow him. You must honestly submit to him and join him in mission. That's it. You don't get his goodness unless you follow him. You don't get to be a son or daughter unless he's your father. That's tough. But if you do belong to him, if you do belong to him, if you are the sheep of his pasture, how does that give us joy? I'll, I'll say it this way. I worked so hard in this sermon trying to find an illustration to, to, to illustrate this point. But I only found one that worked, so I'm going to tell it to you. So, I'm a big dude, okay? That's what it is. And so I go to people's houses, and maybe go outside, have picnics. And one thing I do as a bigger guy, I look at all the chairs that they have. Because some chairs, outside chairs, are wobbly and weak-kneed. I don't want to sit on someone's weak chair and it break with me on it. That'd be so embarrassing, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking around like, there's got to be a man chair somewhere. I need, I need a bear chair to hold me, because I don't want to be embarrassed for everybody. And if there are no good chairs, I'll sit on a, like a ledge or a tree or a step. I don't want to be, it's, it's a very embarrassing thing to sit in a chair and it break. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I'll sit in, I'll sit in a lame chair, like a, not, not lame, they're fine. They're just, I'm just a big dude. I'll sometimes sit in chairs that I know are kind of on the edge of being safe. And I'll like sit where my legs are holding half my weight so I'm not fully on the chair. So I'm sitting very much like in a defensive posture trying to look normal. But the muscles are all tense and I'm just like, and I'm just stuck there. I'm frozen there holding my own weight because I don't want to like flip over or something silly like that. When I'm in a chair like that the whole time, I'm very afraid. I'm very, um, 
I'm like very much aware of my surroundings. I'm just hoping, Lord, don't let this chair break while I'm sitting in it. Well, I, I, I bought for my house a camping chair, and it's an awesome chair. And it's made for big dudes. It's got a little drink thing. It's got a little table that flips up for a plate of food to become a bigger guy. And uh, that chair, I'm going to take the chair somewhere. I set it up and sit in that chair. I said, in that chair, I'm not afraid of nothing. That chair, I know that chair is reliable. That chair is strong. It's proved itself over time. That chair holds all my weight, and I sit down. I can just be myself and laugh and worry about nothing. That chair, I can rest my full weight upon it knowing it has me. You know what I'm saying? I say, I'll say this. The reason we can have joy in the Lord, because when we're in the Lord, we know he's got us. I can rest all my weight and all myself and all my worry, rest it in his arms, and I'm not going to be too heavy for him. He's got me as I am, and I'm safe in those arms. Now listen, it might rain on me. The rain might come, it's soaking wet, but the chair's going to hold. The wind might blow, mess my hair up, knock over the umbrella, but the chair will hold. My point is that when we're in the Lord, I'm not, I'm not promising you the world's going to be awesome, but if you are in Christ, it means the ground is sure. When I used to pastor an old a church in the suburbs, my kids were running around the church one day laughing, and an old man told me, your children have a spirit of kids well-loved. And I'm like, what does that mean? I asked Angie about it. What does that mean? I thought about it for a long time, and I figured out what he meant. My children run and laugh and play with very little fear. And that comes because they lived in a world with stability. Mom and dad love them. They know where the next meal is coming from. They have lived a life without a lot of suffering. And that has given them the freedom to laugh so openly. My wife has similar things in her blood. That she grew up under loving parents in a secure environment. And she has a strength that I never had. Because I moved a lot. Because food was never a guarantee. Because men came and went. And some of them weren't so kind to us children. There was always fear. Am I laughing too loud? Will someone smack me? And so you walk around with instability. You walk around not knowing. Like when we first started dating, my wife and I, we ordered pizza once, and I just started eating the pizza fast as I could. Because in our, in our home, we would just, like, uh, you know, when there's, you, like, there's like, you eat two slices, I get two slices, there's a, there's a fifth slice. So whoever eats fast, gets a fifth slice. So we eat so fast, get that fifth slice. My wife said to me, You eat like a foster kid. Because foster kids will come into a house because they're so unstable where they're going to live, they'll eat fast because there's no knowledge of whether well, that's be okay. And I, she's like, you eat this way. Were you a foster kid? I'm like, no. But I have some of those same things because of how I grew up. In the same way that my children, they laugh and play with such a lightness because they trust in their parents' provision. In the same way, we who are in the Lord can laugh 
and walk in this life knowing our Father is good and He loves us. And our Savior is strong and able and He died so that we may live. I'm not saying that thing, the bad things don't happen. Bad things happen. We sing this song this morning, the hymn of heaven. I don't know that song. There's a line in the song saying, someday death will die. And that struck a little hard this morning. We had someone in our church pass away this week. Real suddenly. And there's no easy answer sometimes. Sometimes it's just tragic. It, it hurts. I'm not saying we're always laughing, never crying. The Bible says so clearly, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It tells us very, very honestly, it says there's a time to laugh and a time to cry. But there is a time to laugh. And we as Christians, I don't know why we've gotten so bad at being a joy-filled people. Just last night, a family in our church had a foster child for a few years and adopted that child yesterday. They had, a, they had a party. And the party was literally just to celebrate, with the come with us, celebrate that this child is living with us forever. And all we did was eat and laugh for three hours because all we were doing was just saying, we thank God for his kindness in this moment. That's all birthday parties are. Our moments to celebrate with people we love. Birthday parties, anniversaries, these things are just opportunities for us to celebrate. Listen, in two weeks, July, th July 31st, having a picnic outside, for us, it's just a chance to hang out together and love one another and be grateful we have each other. That's why we do this stuff. Sometimes it's good to celebrate. And listen, we're going to have an ice cream cart full of ice cream. Why? Because ice cream is one of God's good gifts, and it's okay to enjoy it. Amen. You guys only amen food stuff. <laughs> listen, joy is part of the Christian life. Does, is there any joy coming out of you? If not... You gotta ask the question, why not? Why is there no joy coming out of me? It's because I'm not a sheep of his pasture. If that's true, you need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You say, Lord, I don't know you and I want to know you. I will follow you wherever you lead me. Submit to him and follow him. Maybe you do belong to the Lord and you're like, well, why don't I have joy? Maybe you've drifted. You've been coasting, you drifted away, and you just, you miss the Lord. You're like, just, I talk about him, I think about him, but I don't talk to him, I don't sit with him. Come back to the Lord. Come back to your first love and rediscover the joy of your salvation. That's what it says, the joy of your salvation. When I first met the Lord, I didn't stop smiling for a year, I think. Like, legit, when I first met the Lord, the smile never went away. And listen, I think of myself as a sad sack. I do. I think of myself as a somber, sad individual. But no one else thinks that of me. <laughs> I, uh, someone the other day was telling me, Pastor, after I see you, are you smiling? I, I, I see you in your car, but I'm smiling. I'm like, really? 
I, I, I try to look like I'm a tough guy, but I guess it doesn't come out, but that's because the joy of the Lord just flows out. I'm not trying to be happy for anybody. It just is naturally just, bleh, it just comes out. So ask the question, what's coming out of me? Is joy coming out of my heart or is there only sadness or fear or bitterness? And if there's not joy coming out, why not? Ask the question, am I in the Lord? Are we not talking anymore? Are we not hanging out? Am I not near the source of light and heat that will bring the joy I so desperately desire? And if that's the case, you got to make a change. We can't do the same thing every single week and think something's going to change. If I'm running too fast and too busy for the Lord, i got to make a change. Just this week in my personal life, I had to take my cell phone and limit my internet to 30 minutes a day. Because I was doing too much, I was doing too much surfing, baby. Too much, uh, yeah, too much funny, dumb crap. So I took it, 30 minutes only. 30 minutes goes quick, just so you know. And there's times I need to look up a phone number, and I can't because the ticket safari is timed out. And I'm like, I can't look up this cool information. But you know what? I'm doing that because I don't want to burn all my life on my cell phone. I look at change, I realize I have not been spending enough time with the Lord, and I miss him. I'm going to make room for Jesus. And I'll fight safari and my iPhone and my TV to get it. We got to do it. So I encourage you. Joy is going to be part of our lives. And joy comes from being in the Lord. I encourage you. Taste and see the Lord is good. If you taste the Lord is good, you'll want nothing else. You'll want nothing else. It, when you taste the Lord is good, you're like, man, the Lord is so good. I've tasted the stinking generic brands. I want the brand name goodness of Jesus because nothing else holds up. Nothing else holds up. So with that said, let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the day, for your word that is true. joys and short supply in many places in our, in our society. Let us as your followers be a people not defined by our anger, by our meanness, by our cleverness. Let us be defined by our joyousness expressed in love toward others and toward you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, if some of us in this room, joy is not a part of our life right now, let us get serious. Let's ask some hard questions. Why? Where? What? What changes must I make to draw near to the source once again to rediscover the joy that I have lost? And there are those in this room who do not know you, O oh Lord. Give them the courage to bow the knee and call upon your name that they may be saved. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.